Hello and welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, the amorphous Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, our first interstate right hosh soccer podcast coming your way right now as Luke Ned Carney, Alex Thompson, Rob Jordan, all joining you. A couple guys down in North Carolina like normal, but I'm on assignment this week calling some baseball. Just had a game. The Charlottesville Tom Sox have won five games in a row. So the Sox are hot, as we say, in the press box at Cho Airport Field. But it's soccer now. Switching gears quickly, am I, from baseball to football. And Rob and Alex here with me to recap. Well, shout out to a legend and recap some of the transfer rumors and deals that have gone down. And we'll, 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 we'll throw a little shade during the Gold Cup here at, at the end of the show. But nice to, nice to talk to you guys again. Uh, it's, it's, it's gotten really hot and humid in the time since we last talked, I wouldn't want to be out playing soccer in this, in this kind of weather. From soccer to soccer for you today. Uh, Thrilled to be able to talk some transfer talk um, this week. And uh, it's just good to reconvene with my favorite. uh, What what do we call hooligans? Is that, is that what we should refer to each other? I I don't know. I am in in Charlottesville. I'm in Charlottesville. So maybe it's wah hooligans. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying that, but okay. You you can be you can be a wall hooligan. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I think hooligans is hooligans is a fantastic word. We are let uh, the, the namesake of our studios would use a slightly longer term, less than reputable individuals, and I think that describes all three of us perfectly. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, a, a, a reputable individual. As uh, we were, we were, we've been meaning to talk about this here on our show and then this was this was rob's idea and i, I think it's i think it's good, got a good place here at the at the beginning of the show but uh it's, it's old hat now but uh, zlatan ibrahimovic better known as simply ibra and the inspiration behind zava on the the hit series ted lasso finally announced his retirement about a month or so ago um and this was this is one of those guys that just he transcended the club he played on he transcended the country he was from. He was a guy that you heard football or you heard soccer, and you just thought of this guy when he was during his dominant era. So I'll just I'll turn the floor over to Rob. He's got he's actually got a cool Zlatan Ibrahimovic story to to start us off today. Yeah, I mean, I uh, just wanted to get it quickly in. Obviously, the man, the myth, the legend, Zlatan. Uh, he, uh, you know, he, he's played for all these massive clubs, including Ajax, Juventus, Inter. Barca, PSG, Man U. Uh, he did do a stint in the MLS at LA Galaxy following David Beckham's footsteps, uh, but he ultimately came back uh, for a second stint with AC Milan, uh, where he had had two very successful campaigns. And uh, uh, he really found his home in Serie A um, in terms of his uh, club playing career. Um, but, you know, he, he was certainly notable on the international field um, you know, uh, Sweden and England actually had a decent rivalry in the mid uh, to late 2000s. And that was essentially single-handedly carried um, or shouldered by Zlatan, as well as some of his other um, Swedish teammates. So uh, incredible player. And, um, you know, just because we're in the summer window now, uh, a, a lot of teams at this point, you know, which we're going to get to, it's usually more just, you know, players are going on holiday um you know there's transfer talks things are moving around maybe they're playing for their country in international friendlies or tournaments um but for on the club stage in the summer 
uh, some of these big European clubs do come to the U.S. And, you know, we joked about it with uh, Chelsea, Foodline FC, and Wrexham um, doing a blatant money grab where certain, certain times they come over here, it's clearly not as serious um, versus there are other tournaments. It just depends on who's organizing it, um, where they will essentially play their their number one A side, if you will. They're starting 11 or at least a solid starting eight or nine. Uh, and I was lucky enough um, a few years ago uh, when uh, PSG and uh, Foodline FC Chelsea came to Bank of America Stadium and uh, got to see Zlatan uh, rip a goal in uh, the upper left corner of the net uh, right in front of the section we were sitting in. And it's just one of those moments where, you know, of our generation, you know, obviously he generally would get shadowed by Ronaldo and Messi, but, you know, he, he was always in the conversation. So he's certainly generational great. Um, and, you know, it was a really cool experience for me and some of my buddies that went to go see it um, to see him in action, uh, especially stateside as well. Um, and and uh, the, the last thing I'll say about him, uh, you know, he was famous not on just for his skills on the field, but he was also famous for his banter and his gift of gab off the field. And um, in his retirement ceremony, um, as he was trying to retire, um, you know, it was an emotional speech um, with AC Milan and they were playing against Verona and the Verona fans started booing him in the stadium. And he says off the cuff mid speech, keep booing. This is the biggest moment of your year seeing me. What an absolute savage. Hats off to you, Zlatan. He's just you going back to when you were actually in attendance, just having those moments at when you're at a sporting event or, or at a show, you know, some, whatever you're into and you're in the presence of greatness. That, that was all I was thinking. You know, it's kind of reminds me of when I would go to Virginia basketball games before they were any good. And Duke would come into town and Mike Krzyzewski would be coaching. And I'd be like, damn, I am like watching this dude do his thing right now. But just one of those things that you don't really get to do unless you're, you're at a sporting event or, or a, an, an exhibition of that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a special player and, um, you know, I, I can't say I've seen, you know, the magnitude of player uh, in different sports necessarily. Um, actually, never mind. I did get to see Tom Brady play one time, uh, but it's just it's one of those weird. Yeah, it's, I mean, I wasn't thrilled about it. It was a preseason game versus the Panthers the season that uh, the Patriots almost went undefeated to the Super Bowl. But thankfully, a team from New York saved the world from that. A catastrophe but um yeah i mean it, it's just a surreal moment and you know it was just an honor getting to watch him play but also i mean if you just scour the internet there's tons and tons of highlights from throughout his career where uh it, it's really rare for um i'd say you know someone like zlatan really kind of set the i don't want to say tone but he kind of helped pave the way for strikers like erling holland where um, you know, he's a big, physical, imposing striker, um, but his finesse skills with his feet, um, you know, he, he was like a 6-3-1 Aldinho, essentially, um, which is very, very rare. Obviously, Holland still has to get his, he's still very young and, uh, you know, needs to work on the footwork there. But um, I think that's really what made Zlatan special, because um, that's a very rare combination that um, you know, you only really started to see in the modern game and Zlatan certainly paved that 
uh, path for uh, players wanting to play that style. And he went by one name too. Here, he, he, you could either call him Zlatan or Ibra. That to me is the mark of how you've arrived as a soccer player. If if the world knows you by just one name, because before Cristiano Ronaldo was really good, he was Cristiano Ronaldo. But there was a point where he just became Ronaldo. You know, with with respect to the the older generation Ronaldo. And I, I think especially if you're not Brazilian, if you can get it to the point where the world knows you by just a single name, you've arrived. And that's that that was Ibra for me. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not going to say he's, you know, at the same level as the Messi and Ronaldo's. But that being said, he has by far my favorite highlight reel to watch probably of any player that's ever played this game. Um, there is not a more exciting finisher, in my opinion, that has ever graced a pitch. Um, I, I, I agree with you, Rob, where. I think he did set the tone for those bigger strikers. Um, and I, I, I think you see some of it in Holland's game with his aerial uh, finishing, but Z- Zlatan just, I, I've never seen somebody hit a 50 yard bike kick for a goal. And I, he, I've seen him do it at least twice. Um, just a, a, fen- a phenomenal player. Um, and if you ever get missing Zlatan and his, and his, uh, let's just say his personality, uh, feel free to cut on season three of Ted Lasso and watch Zava, uh, who I, th- th- it has to be, uh, an Ebro reference. I think Luke would agree. I, I rod up Rob. I don't know how much <laughs> you've watched the show, but it is it, down, down to every eccentricity. It is Ibrahimovic. That, that was how I would know if somebody like somebody who watched Ted Lasso followed soccer or not. I was like, Okay, you know Zava is Zlatan Ibrahimovic, right? And if they looked at me with the quizzical look on their face, I'm like, okay, you're not really a soccer fan. Not not disparaging anybody who's not into soccer, but is also into the show. Just that was the barometer of like, okay, can I keep talking soccer with this person? Yep, uh, he was he was certainly one of a kind, and um, you know he'll certainly be missed. But uh, in, in his own words, I don't think he's going to be uh, gone from the game. So I, I could certainly see him being some form of manager or, you know, perhaps a, a partial owner um, or maybe an assistant coach for a club or country. But uh, there's a lot of football still in Zlatan's future, and I'm excited to see what it holds. I'm, I'm still waiting for him to join Inter-Miami. Back <laughs> <laughs> those ticket prices up even higher than they already are. They, they, got, they got Busquets. I mean, I- Ibra can't be that far off, right? <laughs> It's a, it's this, I mean, even Pele came and played in the United States for a little while with the, with the New York Cosmos. And, you know, kids just like, just like Rob got to, to see Pele uh, when they came to their stadium. So, you know, my, my dad tells me about when he, he saw Pele come to RFK Stadium. So he did not get a ball kicked into the stands by Pele and fought over it with his own father for years and years. But uh, that, 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 that's just, just soccer affords you those kind of opportunities that I think other sports don't always do with those, you know, summer tours Rob was talking about and, you know, international teams and whatnot. Oh, that this was an excellent, well-deserved, uh, you know, 15 minutes on the right hosh for, for a, an international legend. I've actually never met someone and he might be the only player that I've 
ever seen that just nobody dislikes Ibrahimovic. He, he's not for as many teams as he's played for, as many hearts as he's broken from across the pitch. It, he he just he just has kind of this uh, this air, this ambiance to him that it, it, it just such a charismatic individual and he, he backs it up on the pitch and it's it, it's going to be a little bit less fun without any more Ibra highlights being uh being cultivated yeah I would I would like to see another 50 foot bicycle but maybe maybe he's got kids right they we're not too far off from other Ibrahimovic's playing professional soccer I mean he's going to be doing it on the training ground at least he's going <laughs> to he's for sure going to be the coach you almost don't want because he's going to show you up as a as an active player <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great that'd be great <laughs> that would be great that that too and uh, I'd be I'd be curious to see him as a pundit. I mean, I know certain players, like, um, it, it doesn't necessarily translate sometimes, but, you know, he certainly has that uh, charismatic personality, but uh, also, you know, he's decisive um, when he wants to put his mind to something or he believes something. He's decisive with his word choices and could be a man of few words. So um, that, that could be some primetime television right there uh, to be determined. He's also played in basically every legitimate league on the face of the earth. So he he has experience that I don't know if another human being of his talent level has. Every league except the Saudi league. So uh, maybe he retired at the right time where, you know, could still happen. Ibrahimovic to come out of retirement. (laughs) Signed a 400 million pound deal with the Saudis of Al-Hilal. Yep. <laughs> he found he found a second wind, baby. <laughs> can can, uh, he, can you imagine Ibra and Ronaldo next to each other, like both of them forty years old, but dude. still just just b- bike kicking and suing all over the field in, in the Saudi <laughs> league? <laughs> Smart. Saudi Arabia, not Saudi Arabia. <laughs> well, I'm Subrahimovic. already. <laughs> well, I'm already. I'm already making puns, and we're not. We're not at the end of the show. I, I promise. Nor am I. I save that for when I run out of gas. But now to uh, from from the Zlatan tribute uh, to the the kind of transfer window portion of our show and more kind of more speculation. A little there's been a couple signings that uh, are I think are worth uh, worth mentioning and and some you know but the speculation is kind of the name of the game here in July uh, the the eve of America's birthday, which I had meant, meant to reference that at uh, at the beginning of the show to to piss Rob off, but I, I forgot, so I'm doing it now. Uh, but but of course we're talking soccer here on the right hosh from the Nasser Alexander Kucheki Studios and Liverpool hasn't done a whole lot. A uh, couple of signings. Um, McAllister, of course, was the 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 uh, the prize from the early transfer, the early part of the transfer window. And uh, I'm reading reading a story now on Liverpool.com about the new signing, Dominic Skoboschlai, uh, a Hungarian who uh, who actually got, had a, had a talk with uh, with Erling Holland. Uh, his longtime rival when they were both with uh, both in the German league when Dortmund played uh, when Holland played for Dortmund and Soboschlei played for Leipzig um, and so he, here's what here's what he said any team can progress last season we played against Manchester City and didn't meet with the with the ball a lot on the other hand I haven't met up with Erling Holland in a long time and I would love to play against him so this this is the notable thing that's happened in Liverpool circles. And that that's how big Man City is now. That's how big uh, Erling Holland is, is other players who are signing with other teams are, are talking about Holland and how much they want to go up against him. Dude, Sh- Shobashlai is, is no slouch. 
Um, he is someone that I've been aware of because of FIFA. Um, but obviously that's not where I draw my opinions from, but he's someone that I became aware of. Uh, really, at, that Leipzig team has serious players on it. I mean, we're talking about uh, Nkunku going to Chelsea, Schobeschlag going to um, Liverpool, and potentially Gavardi all going to City uh, for staggering amounts of money. Uh, $100 million is proposed for Gavardi all. Uh, we have the $60 million for Nkunku, and I, I haven't seen the exact figures on – I call him Sausages because I got really tired of trying to read his name, but it is Schobeschlag. Um, and I, I want to say he's going to be in the 50-ish million range. That's – I don't know a Premier League team that can sell players at that level. Um, so he comes from a really good squad with a lot of really good players. And um, I, I, I bitched and harped on Liverpool not having midfield pretty much all year. And they've they rushed to the door to shore that up with McAllister and Schobeschlei, both guys with uh, high ceilings, uh, both – kind of in their primes right now. Schoberschlei is actually pretty young. I want to say he's 22, 23, um, and going to provide a lot, I think, for the next three or four years for Klopp, should he be the guy who remains, uh, and actually have someone to get the ball to Salah so he doesn't have to do everything by himself. Yeah, and I wonder if this is going to take Liverpool out of the running for Romelo Lavia. He, he was another target. Um, read from various sources that Liverpool was a, a top contender for for him, but shoring up the midfield here, I'd still like to see us get get on get on the defense. Uh, if we're gonna, you know, we've improved the midfield with a couple signings. If if we're gonna go it, to one of the other thirds of the field, if you will, I, I really would prefer if we shored up the defense. And like I've sound like a broken record here, but I, I do want another stud defender down there next to Virgil Van Dyke. Um, but that that's that's pretty much the Liverpool the Liverpool transfer news. Uh, I'll, I'll take your word for about show, sausages. I'm, that's what I'm going to call them from now from now till the end of time <laughs> because of this. But uh, but you know, not, not a, definitely not a negative. Um, it's just it, it's it, you know, Holland commanding that kind of presence. It's just it's it's mind blowing to me when uh you know when he's he's that guy with the target on his back now and Man City rightfully so after the the, the treble. Yeah, I mean it's it's been there for a while, and I think we've seen in this transfer window. Um, it's especially from our other co-hosts uh, team Arsenal how, how much squads are trying to load up to not only compete with City but also just crack back into uh, Champions League play um, it, it seems to me maybe the last couple of years there has been less of a weight put on winning the Premier League and more just let's just finish top four so we can play in the Champions League um, and uh City haven't done a whole lot. We, we bring in Kovacic uh, to kind of step in for Gundogan. I think that's as good of a switch as you can make for 25 million, uh, you know, experienced player. Uh, we were obviously in the, in the running for Declan Rice, but um, uh, kind of just met, made them give a number to uh, West Ham that they couldn't say no to the, the number that they've been looking for. Um, and they've gone and done that, you know, C city's big, uh, player they're in on is, is Gavardi all, uh, from Red Bull. Um, I, I dropped a link to the highlights, uh, to these two, but if you're out there listening, highly recommend going and looking at, uh, highlights of Gavardi all because 
when I saw they were just on a center back, my mind goes to like Ruben Diaz at that, at that amount. Uh, that that's, that's not this, that that's not who this guy is. Uh, I can see why he's commanding such a high price tag. Um, but really that's kind of all the, the, the fires that are or all the coals that are on the fire for city right now. Um, I I'd say almost out of anybody in the league in terms of bringing players in Arsenal are doing it the most. And all I can say is if city were doing this, it would have been the second coming of Satan, but because it's not city and it's Arsenal, it's, it's okay. But they're bringing in mostly good players. Rob Jordan, give us a rundown of the Arsenal transfer window as far as the guys who are definitely in. And I'm going to go ahead and say, put Rice in the definitely in. They're just figuring out, do they have to pay through Zelle, PayPal, friends and family? That's all they're looking at now for, for Rice. Yeah, um, I mean, it, all said and done, is uh you know it, it's been a fantastic transfer uh or beginning of the uh transfer window uh for arsenal i think we've acted decisively um you know arteta certainly um you know in his time coaching if he wants certain players um that he knows are going to fit his system um he is quite decisive in just going out and getting them which is what we needed to do and um you know, the, the big three here being obviously Declan Rice, um, Jurian Timber uh, as a defender, as well as Kai Havertz uh, as an attacking midfielder. And I'll, I'll break uh, my thoughts on all those down here in a second. But, uh, I mean, those are, back to our previous episode, those are the areas that I wanted us to shore up uh, because our attack line, our forwards, I'd say it's pretty stacked at the moment. You know, with Gabriel Jesus and Bukayo Saka, as well as Martinelli up front, um, and Leandro Trossard, to name a few. And we've got Eddie Nketiah and Reese Nelson on the bench. Um, so I don't think our forwards necessarily needed any improving un- unless we found an Erling Holland clone somewhere. Uh, you know, that might be nice. But uh, bringing in Declan Rice, um, you know, he certainly could argue he's a little overpriced. Um, you know, he is an English player in the English league. He is now the most expensive English player um, to sell um, in the EPL. And, um, you know, that, that's what you that's what you have to pay for. Um, so I, I don't think we're afraid to do that. And I mean, Declan Rice certainly is going to complement our uh, midfield already. Um, you know, he he can play a holding midfielder. Um, he can also play an attacking midfielder and work in tandem uh, with Martin Odegaard. Uh, him and Rice, I think, being uh, the two young developmental players, being that pillar um, for that Arsenal midfield for, you know, the next four to five years plus, right? Um, with uh, Jurian Timber coming in on defense, um, that was a fantastic signing um, from Ajax. Uh, he's had a great a few seasons there. Um, he's had a lot of garnered a lot of interest from other big European clubs, um, but he's exactly what we needed. Um, where um, in our defense, you know, that's going to add to what we already have with um, re-signing Saliba, um, having Gabriel, uh, Ben White, uh, and Tommy Yasu, as well as Zinchenko. And I think Jurian Timber will really push Ben White specifically. Um, he might try and take his role. Um, and you know, if if that happens, that's fine. Um, you know, the cautious 
side of me. Um, I, I do think Ben White, uh, if that does happen, um, he can be bad in the locker room just from his experience being on the England team. You know, I'm not going to jump to conclusions here, but, you know, Ben White needs to be pushed. He's a good player, but if anything, he needs um, backup where he needs to rest, especially as we're going into uh, UEFA Champions League uh, next season as well. So um, great signings there. Uh, Kai Havertz, uh, you know, certainly overpriced there for sure. Um, to be honest, if you had asked me which Ch Chelsea attacking midfielder I'd wanted, I would have taken Mount over Kai Havertz. But uh, I went back and looked at um, a lot of the, the stats. And, you know, again, you got to take stats with a grain of salt, right? But uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me is that, um, you know, he had made the most runs off the ball for Chelsea. Um, you know, didn't have a great goal scoring season and, and just Chelsea in general didn't at all. Um, but the fact that he's constantly always moving and always helping press the attack or being that second line of attack, um, I think he's got a much better crop of players around him that will help facilitate his style uh, to where, you know, that's going to create mismatches and overlaps where I do think um, that Havertz will fit into that system. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be, you know, 20 plus goals next season. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but, you know, just having that extra threat um, when you're attacking the opponent's box, um, you know, sh setting up to shoot or just making a run into the box, that's going to open someone like Saka up for a shot or a Trossard or uh, even Gabriel Jesus and Martinelli. So um, overall, very happy. Uh, with those signings, um, we do have some other signings, which, um, you know, to be determined, we'll see. But, uh, you know, we kind of talked about this off air that, you know, a, a lot of the punditry and, you know, rumors you hear, they're just rumors. So until, um, you know, the pen hits the paper, I don't really believe most things I see. But uh, uh, I think a great, great job by Arteta, as well as the um, ownership at Arsenal by being decisive getting what we want and, um, you know, setting ourselves up uh, for success. Excellent rundown. And I've only got a couple of questions for you. Um, you you kind of covered, I think, maybe my apprehension with Kai Havertz, but um, I, 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 I just don't see how he fits, um, if I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, I, I, I don't know if he's going to piggyback on Gabriel Jesus as they're both running in kind of like that false nine. Because uh, I, I think we've seen over the last two or three years that Gabriel Jesus, while he's a fantastic player, is not a true striker. Um, I would have personally liked to see, and it's not to say that they can't still, but I would have liked to have seen them spend that money on uh, a striker. I, I mean, when you consider that you could have had Nkunku for on, less than Havertz, and he plays kind of the same role. Uh, except for he's just torn up Bundesliga for the last two years. Um, that that was the only signing that made me kind of scratch my head. And I, I just remember watching this Arsenal team for the first half last year. I, I don't really see 230 pounds worth of a team that needed to be overhauled. I, I think the other pickups, Declan Rice, Timber, have been fantastic. They are um, in very thin positions uh, where it also gives you flexibility with Ben White, who has played right back, 
uh, he, he can move into kind of that central defensive midfield from time to time. Uh, he's one of your more fluid players, but going back to transfer windows ago, you bring in Zinchenko who left Man City because he wanted to play more in the midfield. I haven't really seen him do that at Arsenal, and I know he can. Um, so for me, it just seems kind of that the Havertz signing feels like an over-tinkering to me. It, it doesn't seem like the type of player that would have been signed at city when Arteta was, was there. I didn't see a lot of teams in on wanting to sign Kai Havertz in the premier league. Um, and it's just, it, it's just one that made me scratch my head. And maybe that's, maybe that's what they're going for. You know, Arteta is not going to run the exact same thing that Pep does, but if you watch last year, they run pr- fairly similar. Um, and I, I, I just don't, I don't know where he goes. I would rather have Odegaard further up the field towards my scorers distributing the ball there hanging on the edge of the box to put it back in. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. And especially with the, the, the second part to this um, seeing the, well, we'll leave it at rumors, but Arsenal being, I guess, interested in Kylian Mbappe, should he become available from PSG? Um, and I, Again, I, I don't I don't know what Sultan is bending over and shitting out this money that they're paying right now, but uh, anyone would take Mbappe, but I think he would I think he fits this team pretty well with the speed they have on the wings already. Um, it, it, I don't know. Just Havertz felt really weird to me. Yeah, I mean, it, those are all fair points, which, you know, I'd I'd considered, you know, those thoughts had run across my mind as well as, you know, the talks were developing before uh, the deals finalized. Um, but, you know, Arteta, obviously, you know, he knows a lot more than us about what his vision for the squad is and, you know, what type of system he wants to play and, you know, the system that they played last season and, you know, what they're going to play this season, you know, that's kind of similar. Think about Man City's journey, right? Where like Pep, you know, it took him, I'd say a solid like three to four years to get, you know, the right players in and get his system going to where the players adapted to that system. Right. So, you know, I, I think what Arteta is building right now is evolving where those players can um, also adapt um, to that new system. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, one thing you got to keep in mind is there's heavy rumors uh, with uh, Thomas Partey uh, potentially uh, going to the Saudi league, um, as well as Granite Xhaka, uh, is most likely, uh, going to be, uh, going to Bayern Leverkusen in the Bundesliga. Um, so, you know, losing two big midfielders, um, you know, Havertz certainly has big shoes to fill, but the way I kind of see it working out is, you know, traditionally, uh, Declan Rice and Martin Odegaard, um, they are more traditional kind of like field general uh, holding midfielders, uh, but they can help on the attack, you know, depending on which side the attack's going. One of them They're can box go to forward. box guys. Ex- exactly, exactly. Like uh, while the other one holds, the other one can move forward. Um, but having that tandem in play and maybe having Havertz in the middle where he's that more um, attacking midfielder where he can play further up the pitch and assist the f- and essentially be – an extra forward, um, give or take, um, you know, I, I think that's where Havertz will be. Um, cause he, he's certainly more of an attacking midfielder closer to a forward than, 
you know, uh, a defending midfielder. So uh, I think that's where he fits in. That's just my take. But again, you know, I'm just a guy. Uh, I'm not Mikel Arteta. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that works out. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you're correct. I think that's the, I think that's the approach. Um, it's just me being on the outside. It almost seems like the spending spree completely forgot what happened in the first half of last year. And for the record, I don't think I've ever been less afraid of a midfield tandem than I was of Granite Xhaka and Thomas Partey. So uh, I, I think that, that <laughs> is, uh, I, I think that's addition by subtraction. Just if you're really trying to push, it's nice to have those guys for depth, I guess, but they're, they're not depth players. They're going to go play somewhere else. Um, yeah. I, we'll see what else comes down for the, from the pike uh, for Arsenal. Cause I, I don't think they're done. Um, I think they're going to be the team that by far spends the most in this transfer window. And uh, it's, it's because of the, the I'm going to, I'm using air quotes, the bottling of the league. Uh, <laughs> it seems to, it seems to have really struck a nerve uh, and that they are responding with just, it, they have like the t-shirt gun it, except for it has nothing but hundred dollar bills and they're just spraying it across the premier league for all their players um which you know that's what you have to do these days i i'd rather have a team that spends too much than doesn't spend enough um but my god they are spending a lot of money yeah no certainly i mean and there's the phrase right you know you got to spend money to make money and you know i, I think it's just all about being decisive where you know, Arsenal in years past was their biggest criticism was they were too conservative. They would, you know, when it came to transfer window time, they were selling big players, trying to get other pieces going, whereas it's a whole different mentality and mindset when you're like, no, we have the players we want. And now we're going to buy and get other players that we want to fit into the system. And, um, you know, that that's really turning a new page. Uh, with Arsenal, which is big. And um, just real quick before we move on to Man City's transfer news, um, the the other big reason I really – you talked about Zinchenko and being an inverted um, fullback uh, there. And, you know, that's obviously – that can leave our formation lopsided, right, where if he, he goes inverted too much um, and, you know, let's say pulls his hamstring and gets beaten outside the box like he did against Man City, that can really cost you. Um, but that the signing of Jurian Timber was so clutch, not just for defensive depth, but he can also play that inverted fullback role um, on the opposite side from Zinchenko. Um, so that, again, I guess the whole point of what I'm trying to say, why I'm really impressed with the way Arteta's gone about not just being decisive and being aggressive and purposeful in this transfer window, he's taken a well-rounded approach for a team that's already pretty well-rounded and you know the players that are coming in with the players we're about to sell you know I mean Thomas Partey's price alone if he sells to the Saudi league is going to cover you know most of our expenditure and you know what we had talked about previously with the um you know having a transfer net profit you know uh, I think that will be an ultimate victory if it works out the way it does. Um, and we also saw uh, Granite Xhaka that way too. But, um, you know, I, I think it's just a really well-rounded approach um, that's only bolstering our well-rounded squad. And that's ultimately what we need to be and need to do, um, not only if you want to challenge uh, Man City uh, for the EPL, 
uh, but to challenge the other big giant clubs in Europe in the UCL. Agreed. I I, I think Timber and Saliba are going to be somewhat of a, you know, kind of twin tower setup for Arsenal for the next couple of years. Um, they're both actually pretty similar in my eyes, just in how they play. Uh, I, uh, I, I told, I told you when it happened, how much I was really a fan of, of that deal. Uh, br- bringing players from their divisi is, is something that I like to see because they're usually very cost effective, but they are really, really good. They don't, they don't get a whole lot of visibility because they're not in a top five league or even in a, you know, it, the, the Netherlands always produce great talent, but a lot of it doesn't stay home that much. Um, so you kind of get overlooked, I would say, in the Netherlands. They do a great job of producing. They feed a lot of Premier League teams. Um, and and Urian Timber is a guy that's been kind of on radars the last couple of years. Excited to see what he does. Um, I, think, I think he is for sure forcing Ben White out of his spot, um, which, uh, like I said, will give you a little bit more flexibility. Um, I, last question I have for you here and it, something I was just thinking about today, it's, it seems like Arsenal almost have to, you know, if we consider the next two premier leagues and the next two champions leagues as four trophies, it feels to me like they almost have to win one of those in order to keep Arteta when Pep steps down from city. Uh, because I know that's going to be city's first call. He, he, he was one of Pep's first calls and Pep is friends with the ownership group at city. Um, you know, notwithstanding the, the, the FFP charges, but um, I, I, I have to think that if he hasn't been able to get over the hump and win something with Arsenal, by the time Pep Guardiola steps down, it's going to be a two man race between Vincent company and Mikel Arteta. There's going to be a lot of guys still on this squad that Arteta coached at city Um and I, I think they are they are very much in win-now. They should be in win-now mode based on how they did last year, but they are very much in win-now mode. And I think it has a lot of future uh, ramifications. If, they don't, if they're not able to win one out of those four trophies in the next two or three years, I, I'm hard-pressed to find a reason why Arteta would you know, maybe stay around if City came knocking. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. I mean, the the biggest thing, uh, I will agree with your initial statement where, I mean, regardless, yeah, I mean, for him to stay in that role, you know, we live in a very, you know, what have you done for me lately world. And, um, you know, we've discussed it before, the English football press is brutal. Um, so, you know, he, he certainly in the next couple years, you know, we got to bring some form of hardware back. Um, you know, I think the goal is always to, you know, we always want lofty apps, uh, aspirations in uh, the Champions League for sure. You know, the goal should always be to win that. Um, but, you know, an FA Cup, an EPL title, um, you know, FA Community Shield, whatever we need to do um, to start filling that trophy case back up again, um, you know, he, he certainly is going to be on the books for this because everyone's behind him. This is his team now. You know, we talked about the Havertz decision. Pretty much everyone and their cousin questioned it in the Arsenal camp. Uh, Most fans are perplexed by it. But again, it's like, hey, you're the boss, man. We trust you. Let's see what happens. And so, yeah, I agree. He has two to three years to really prove that. But 
I would say, I mean, of course, City may come knocking when uh, Pep steps down, but part of me, you know, you know, Arteta played for Arsenal as well, and there is, you know, there is a sense of pride there where you, you know, if you, if he wins a couple pieces of hardware for us in the next two years, you know, be that FA Cup, EPL, UCL, whatever that may be, um, you know, he is going to be immortalized in Arsenal fanhood and the ownership group, the fans, the investors, everyone uh, from bottom to top are going to do everything they can to keep him there. So, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not really as afraid of him switching. Um, it would take some ungodly sum of money, which, uh, you know, we, we've seen in certain years isn't, uh, you know, out of the window, but um but yeah i mean arteta definitely needs to uh get some payoff for the next two to three seasons uh with the moves he's making but um i think as of right now he's making all the right moves so um you know we, we'll just have to see how it plays out here over the next couple of seasons agreed i, I actually didn't know arteta played for arsenal so that is a that, that's a very important piece of information to have when throwing around, you know, hypotheticals like that, because loyalty in the Premier League does mean a lot, regardless of who you are. If you played for the squad, that that if you played for the badge, that that means a lot. You you you've bled, you've sweated. Um, it you're more inclined to stay with the team, um, but it, it just just the moves they're making makes it seem like they're, and, and they should be regardless of what they maybe anticipate in two or three years, but uh, they, they are certainly in their home run swing uh, on this transfer window. And so, so far I agree with everything except for Kai Havertz. We'll see how that turns out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me as, me as well. I, I I've seen the only person I've seen miss more wide open nets than Kai Havertz is killing Mbappe from the penalty spot. That's what I'll, that's all I'm going to say. Not you're not, you're not going to shit on Lukaku. Come on. I mean, <laughs> they, no, it, Luke, it, it, is he really open if he's playing goalie as well? Yeah. I was going to say Lukaku is <laughs> the one who blocks his own teammates from scoring. <laughs> <laughs> Lukaka. <laughs> that was not my nickname when I played <laughs> soccer, when I was like seven or eight, by the way. I, was, I, was, I, I didn't. I didn't get a nickname. It wasn't fair. I was no. no I was no Ebra. LN seven. Have your initials on a number carved out. Nads. <laughs> Nads. I mean, that's that's the the long standing. That was that was my first ever radio nickname on the fr the first show I ever worked on. So that that, that might could work. <laughs> uh, but. Did, did we have any more loose ends to tie up with Man City? Or I, I just, I'm going to admit, I just, I just sat back and listened to y'all banter there for that last like 20 minutes. So that was, that was some phenomenal, phenomenal podcasting right there. Uh, well, like I said, I, I skipped past City because we haven't really done what, what we've heard, you know, whisperings here or there, but they are so just off shot. Uh, the only one that I'm really banking on right now is Gavardi All. And that's because that was our target like in the, in the last summer window he was our target for this summer window. He's the only name that I heard that stuck all the way around. We picked up the rice momentum a little bit around uh, the winter transfer window. Um, and then it really picked up steam once we were on the, you know, on pace for the treble and just knew, 
you know, Gundawan and, and Silva are going to test the market. Um, obviously, Gundawan has moved on to, to Barcelona. Much appreciation to uh, El Capitan uh, for, for his years of service. I, I see there's absolutely zero hard feelings on him moving on to go to Barca. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing you have to consider, you know, playing for a, a treble winning squad in England is one thing, but um, players aren't coming to England for their white sand beaches. They're coming for the, for the, the play and that, that they have families, they have wives, they have kids. And a lot of them would rather spend their summers and falls in Spain than they would in uh, Manchester. So uh, much obliged to him. Uh, we're, we're waiting on Silva. He's got like a 55 million a year offer from the Saudi league right now. Uh, sounds like he's just going to turn that down. Um, I, I'm not sure who the big competitor in the room is. If it's not PSG, it's us. Um, would love to keep him. I would feel a lot more comfortable with our current window uh, with him. But uh, otherwise, we have a Kyle Walker extension on the on the table, looking to keep him around for a couple more years. But otherwise, we just don't have we don't have much moving. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of players to start with. We had a pretty short bench, um, so we've only got a couple of guys looking to to potentially move out, which means we're not going to have a whole lot moving in. Yeah, uh, not- those those two players being is that Calvin Phillips uh, and Silva. Which two players? Uh, looking to move out. Uh, I was including Gundawan, Gundawan and Silva. Oh, um, gotcha, gotcha. Were those were those two players? Uh, S- Silva sounds like he's got another contract on the table from City, and you know it. It's probably a 50-50 shot between us and PSG right now, just whether or not he wants to go. Um, play against absolutely nobody or stay in Manchester city, make a little bit less money, have a little bit less term, but you know, act- actually play for something. Uh, Cause if, if you go to PSG right now, you better enjoy playing with Mbappe this year because you Bernardo Silva will be the best player in the French league next year. If Mbappe moves away from PSG. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, 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 my heart of hearts tells me he sticks around. Uh, especially if he turned down that humongous Saudi league offer, I, he's not making it based on money. Um, the French league is just, I, I saw today it got, it got ranked as the seventh best league in Europe below uh, the Belgian league and the uh, Eredivisie. So uh, just yep. absolute shambles that league is right now. Um, so yeah, good. Gavard, Farmers league. Dude, it's, it's not even the farmers league anymore. It's like the caveman league over there. Their technology is decreasing. Yeah, they've they've gone back to the Middle Ages. Well, France is on fire right now, so the whole rewind and they're burning to the ground. (laughs) They're playing Uh, Civ backwards over there in in the French league. (laughs) Uh, uh, Laissez faire. Let me eat cake. Gotta go finish my birthday cake after this show. (laughs) Um, I I think the only thing that I want to mention, I guess, through the rest of this. my favorite signing, it's it's flown under the radar because, A, I don't think a lot of folks know about him, um, and, B, it's it's going to Newcastle. I think Newcastle made the best signing in this transfer window so far, signing AC Milan's Sandro Tonali. Um, Tonali is on that list with, like, a Declan Rice um, where they might not be playing on the best team, but when you watch them, you know they are that dude. They are the reason their lowly squads have a chance to win any game they're in. 
Um, and Sandro Tonali coming over. I, looking at the amount that they paid for him, I am actually kind of pissed off that City weren't in that uh, because I've I've liked Tonali for a couple of years. Um, and to, to, to look at a, a Bruno G, a Jolinton, and a Sandro Tonali midfield at Newcastle, I know everyone's talking about the shiny objects that are going into the attacks of a lot of these other teams, but Newcastle finished third. They didn't have a lot to tinker with. They haven't had a lot of exodus, and they brought in maybe one of the top three midfielders in Serie A um, to, to go into their already stacked midfield. So that that's really the last thing I want to mention there. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Christian Pulisic whenever something materializes a little bit stronger there when that happens. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought it was a done deal to Milan, but it sounds like, uh, sounds like there's still some, some uh, mystery to that, to that story. Leon, Leon in the French league have made a bid, um, which is almost double uh, what Milan was offering. So uh, Chelsea are, are rightfully taking a second look. <laughs> Leon and Tigres and bears. Oh my. <laughs> As we uh, transition from the uh, transfer, the transfer speculation to oh, just a little, little bit of national team talk. We've got two nations represented among these three uh, great podcasters that bring you this, this show. Uh, every, every every couple of weeks from the Nasser Alexander Kucheki Studios, and I will we'll start here with the the USMNT uh, in the Gold Cup. Which, if you've been watching it, I, I guess congratulations. Um, you probably don't have much else to do. Um, the, the, the Gold Cup to me is no, I just, do not, Luke. No, I do not. <laughs> the Gold Cup to me has always just been you know development. See what you've got and see how what we have can improve. What what are showings in the the real international competitions? You know, you've got. Uh, the, the World Cup right here on American soil. It'll be it'll be here before we know it. Yeah. So you know the qualification will be here before we know it. So this, I like what I've seen. Don't get me wrong. It's just these are. It's hard to get excited about a six zero win when it's against. Uh, let me check my notes. Saint Kitts and Nevis. Um, not not exactly going to move the needle on the the world football scale. When when the teams you're playing had to join together with other countries in order to field a team like Trinidad and Tobago, St. Kitts and Nevis. Uh, you're probably not going up against the best quality. <laughs> um, but th these are teams that two years ago, the United States would have drawn. So I'm taking six O's where I can get six O's. Yeah, um, definitely. You had the draw against Jamaica in the first group stage you, you match. And I thought, Oh boy, it's going to be a long gold cup, but I mean, U.S. has their next game on, on Sunday the 9th against a, a team still to be determined. I mean, it, you know what? You know what Trinidad and Tobago reminds me of? It's it's D two, the Mighty Ducks, when they play Trinidad and Tobago in their first hockey game, and it's like, where the fuck is there to even play hockey in Trinidad and Tobago? And that's all I think of, even when they're playing soccer. <laughs> the 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 it's the will though to go on. Where where can you? Uh, where can you ice luge in Jamaica? And we have a whole movie about that. Uh, so, so sometimes you find shit in the weirdest areas. Now, soccer players in Trinidad and Tobago is not going to be one of those matches, but um, it, it's, it's just nice to watch the United States men's national team get in on goal and have a guy that can make a goalie miss. You know, have a guy that can make a pass across the box, not to the other team every time. Uh be able to play well in the midfield it it's never been as much about talent as it is we have just been a stupid team um which is what one of the reasons about a month ago when we rehired uh Burkhalter I just I, I was inconsolable uh because 
What's that? Say, say may, the words. May, say the, may say the words. Quote, may you please quote yourself because it was probably one of the greatest, most entertaining lines I've ever heard from an American soccer fan. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they had me redneck mad. I, I was ready to go. I was ready to go to the store and like, like in the jerk where that guy is shooting the cans of paint. I was ready to go full blown shooting Bud Light cans. I was so American mad at rehiring Burkhalter. Um, I, I don't understand how you hire a search firm and they're like, oh, yeah, um, our best advice is to hire that guy you fired a couple of years ago. Uh, they, they dangle out uh, Vieira and Thierry Henry and they rehire Greg. I, I just, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. I mean, at, at least the team has had its ass, its head removed from its ass the last couple of matches. They've scored. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Um, we have a lot of talent. I, I don't know how he's going to do better with this squad than he did with, you know, young prime Pulisic, uh, kind of the, the, the last years of, of Lando and uh, Clintinho. I don't think we have players that good right now on this squad and we've hired a guy who did less with more, but su such as America, we don't care about this sport. This is one of those placeholders of, uh, I, I, I don't know if it's let, let's not make the women's team look so bad so we can start paying them equally. I, I, I don't, I don't know the rationale, but I, I was, I was inconsolable. I was, I was angry, very angry. Yeah. I would have rather seen Bob Bradley come back than watch Burke Alter come back. He just got fired by a club, Ooh. by the way. <laughs> so, so, so he's available. I think it was, it might, I think it was a Mexican club, but somebody, somebody, somebody yeah, let just, Bob Bradley go. Just, I, I'd rather see Michael Bradley come back. I, I, I don't understand the rationale of spending money on a search firm and then being like, yeah, uh, the best we got for you is the guy you fired like four it, years. It would ago. be like, it would be like if the Bobs didn't lay anybody off in office space. I mean, what would be the point of the meetings with the Bobs? Or, or if they gave Lumberg a raise. That, that's <laughs> Lumberg? <laughs> Lumberg. Um, I, I, I have high hopes for, for the squad. You know, uh, we don't really have a choice. We, we root for them. However, even though it's on the, the eve of 4th of July, I have pledged my secondary allegiance to the three lions in England, because at least they have players that I know and like, and, you know, I don't really like Gareth Southgate that much, but he can't, he can't be worse than a guy who's already been fired from the national team. I, I will say though, it, it was cool to have the game at least somewhat locally, you know, Charlotte is a burgeoning soccer market, the bank of America stadium. I, I know a few guys who got to go to that game and watch USA kick ass in yeah. person. So like from, from that perspective, that's, that's a cool little, semi-local flavor here at you know they've, they've been playing these games in various locations charlotte obviously not making the cut to uh to host games in the world cup and if you've been to that stadium you'll understand why but fun fun experience for a lot of local fans people from made the trip to, to see that game so that that was that was a cool little part of it for me but yeah i'm i'm kind of in the same boat i, I wasn't redneck mad i wasn't shooting it but i was i was i was i was disappointed Let's just say it that way. I, I was disappointed to see that um, my son had gotten a, a D on the assignment that he brought home. I was I was disappointed to see that he hired Greg Berhalter, and that's that's pretty much where I'm at right now. They didn't even get a D. They copied the dumb kids' answers. That's what we <laughs> did. 
We copied the stupid <laughs> kid in class's answers and then turned it in confidently. Like, oh yeah, I got this. Oh, I got a, I got a four on this. How did that happen? <laughs> so this this is a serious question. So has Burhalter been the coach the last four matches since the Mexico game? So for Canada, Jamaica, St. Kitts, and Trinidad and Tobago? The last two for sure. Um, okay, because the, the reason I'm asking this, it's a two-part question, is, I mean, the Mex- the USA-Mexico match was, you know, M- Mexico is certainly going through a transition right now where um, they've got rid of a lot of their veteran players, which is, you know, the right thing to do. They were kind of holding on a little too long to them. Um, but, I mean, it was a dominant victory by the U.S. men's national team uh, where – you know, I guess the where my brain went, because, you know, I'm not necessarily a U.S. fan, so I'm not, like, emotionally attached to it. Where my brain went was, okay, you rehired Burhalter. Why don't you just keep the guy that was coaching them against Mexico, who I don't know if that guy was an assistant or if he had any type of, like, coaching pedigree or, you know, desires uh, to be the U.S. men's national coach. But, um that's kind of where my mind wandered. Do you know any more about that, Luke or Alex? I, I'm going to clarify. Um, but just off of the, the lineup sheet, uh, the manager, at least for the last four matches, has been a guy named BJ Callahan. Um, I'm looking for his history, but he is right now serving as the, you know, obviously interim head coach. Sure. Um, I, I'm looking to see if he has – he played for the Philadelphia Union. He played at Villanova, um, or sorry, managed there. I'm looking to see if he played anywhere. He played at Arsenius College, um, which I have no idea what that. I have no idea what that is. Um, is that like University of Phoenix? Like, what is that? I I mean I I don't. That's got to be worse. I've heard of University of Phoenix. I've never heard of Arsenius. Arsenius College, Arsenius College is a private liberal arts college and. Creatively named Collegeville, Pennsylvania, which is located in the eastern part of the state about, I don't know, looks like to be about 20, 25 miles outside of Philadelphia. So, um, Ur- Ursinus College, um, the, their, nickname, their nickname is the Bears, uh, derived from the Latin, the Latin name, and it, it has undergraduate enrollment of 1,497 students. I, I, because I cover summer league baseball where there's a lot of D3 schools, I, I have heard of Ursinus College, as a matter of fact. So feel free to laugh at me too. But that is a, it is not the University of Phoenix. It is much, much smaller, but no, no more prominent. Well, or, 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 I'm going to get an Ursinus infection if you talk anymore about that. But uh, <laughs> his only playing career, it looks like, was there he played goalie making 250 career saves which by the way was fourth in school history he is the fourth best goalie to play for Ursinus College in Collegeville Pennsylvania um and somehow was still doing better than our actual manager we had prior uh and we'll, we'll, we'll see but my money's on he would do a better job than than Burhalter uh we shall see I, I don't know how long uh, he's going to coach, but I, I agree with you, Rob. He's, he, he's, do, he's done uh, a reasonable job in the meantime. I, I'll say that much, but better than I've ever seen a Greg team play. 
Okay, because, yeah, my main thing was – because, like, if he was the same interim coach for that USA-Mexico game, I mean, like, they've just been playing inspired. Um, That was his first one. June 15th was his first match. Okay. Interesting. Because – and, I mean, you know, all jokes aside, too, you know, some of the best coaching minds that I know, you know, they played, a you know, the sport but weren't necessarily the best players at all. But – some people just have that coaching mind. And so, yeah, no, that's very interesting to me just as like a neutral observer where, you know, maybe you just keep rolling with this guy where it, it was kind of strange timing because it, it, it like it got announced. Was it like halftime at the Mexico USA match or was it like right after or right before it was really goofy timing where, you know, this guy's building momentum and has built, uh, BJ Callahan has built momentum the last five matches in all very dominant victories. You know, grain of salt, you could say, some of the countries. But, I mean, Jamaica's not a bad team. Mexico's certainly not a bad team. And Canada's not a bad team. And, you know, you know, other than the draw against Jamaica, you know, all the other uh, matches were pretty dominant victories. And, I mean, J- Jamaica's got a couple of Premier League players, or at least uh... – top five English league players, Leon Bailey comes to mind, uh, Steve Blake for Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. That, that they have, they have a couple of players. They're, they're one of those squads that could catch you if you're not paying attention. Um, I, I have never been able to get past Burhalter being a Tar Heel and that, that alone set me off on him, much less his disastrous, um, uh, United States, uh, men's national team career. I oh my god! I just hate I hate to see him back. I'm I'm in such a pit of despair with this decision. It hurts. Mm. It's it's hard it, for me. It's hard for me as a, as somebody who's been following this team as long as they have. In that 2002 World Cup that the U.S. burst onto the scene on that he was a member of that team and and I believe a midfielder and he he was a guy associated positively with U.S. soccer and now. He's, you know, what, what, did, what do they say in Batman? You either, you either die a legend or you live long, or you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that's sort of what's happened here with Burhalter because I still hear his name. And I think back to that 2002 World Cup where the U.S. made the Elite Eight, if you will, and, and should have made the, the semifinals, got fucked in the ass on a handball not called again that game against Germany. But just, just the interesting dichotomy, player versus coach. And we've seen this a lot in a lot of different sports. Yeah, I mean, it's just strange to me because, uh, you know, it's interesting. I didn't realize he was a Tar Heel, but just kind of my conspiracy theory, mind going, the difference between soccer in the U.S., you know, even from like the grassroots youth level is, you know, it, it is a lot more political in the sense of, you know, the U.S. is like the only country where, you know, you're paying for travel clubs, right? Where like elsewhere in the world, you know, it's like, it's purely a meritocracy. Like the best players play because, you know, every kid needs to get that chance. Whereas, um, you know, just even from the grassroots level, you know, they've been trying to improve it, but, you know, it is kind of a pay to play system, right? And inherently when you have a system like that, politics come to play and i kind of feel again i'm not emotionally invested in this situation but you know i kind of feel bad for burr halter in a way because essentially what it came down to is it was geo reina's parents 
that caused this whole fiasco. And, you know, they started, you know, throwing out these accusations or whatever, where, you know, he essentially had to clear his name and, you know, okay. Burholter wasn't necessarily like, he wasn't a bad coach last year. I know some you guys, you know, felt like, ah, you know, he maybe didn't do the right things at the right times, make the right decisions in critical games against like the Netherlands and um, England uh, in the group stages. But um, yeah, it's, it's just a real murky situation, which I mean, to be honest, there's so much momentum and so much talent coming out from the U.S. men's national team right now where I genuinely think this is your guys' golden generation. Um, if you don't count, like, the Landon Dolvin, um, Clint uh, Dempsey uh, generation. It, so it just the fact that there's all this murkiness going on, it, it's just – it's a real shame, not just for Burhalter, but just for the club itself and the country. Because, um, yeah, it just – when it's murky, like things are never going to be the same. It's it's like getting back with your ex, like after one of you tries to blackmail each other and just trying to pretend like, oh yeah, everything's going to be fine now. Like, yeah, that's that's just not going to work, you know. And, and it's and and it's purely purely self sabotage, which that is, you know, that's the most frustrating thing, in my opinion. Uh, uh, like, did Gio Reyna die? Like, is he, is he gone? Because he's probably still our most talented player in the, in this team. And they brought back the guy who has the biggest rift with him in that family. And maybe they've patched it over, but um, I don't know. It seems kind of like a slap in the face as, as wrong as I do think the Reynas were in that instance, it's still kind of a slap in the face to, him and maybe the rest of the team to bring in a guy who was polarized. And I, I think he was making some personal decisions for Halter um, because Reina has been probably for the last two or three years, our most talented player. He's been hurt, but he's been our most talented player. And it, that that's why he has got such a, a good start in the, the German league. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. I'm at, I'm at a loss. I I have no logic for the decision. It's really not like Burhalter did so well that we were like, oh, we just let him go because of this PR issue. That's not what it was. He got let go based on merit. It it it, it helped. They could sweep it under the rug as a PR issue and just kind of come out clean on the other side. But then they rehired him, and uh, I, I'm at a loss. I did look up. He played at North Carolina, 91 through 90. I'm just going to throw out there. He's probably still salty that the Virginia Cavaliers won all four of the national championships that year, uh, the college cups under a familiar name, former USMNT head coach, Bruce arena. So I just wanted to throw a potential reason why Berhalter's job is because his team was owned Virginia Cavaliers when he plays, it played in college, just a hypothesis though. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's kind of where my conspiracy mind started turning where you know, obviously UNC is big in, you know, obviously huge in women's soccer in the U.S., but um, also their men's uh, team is good. So, uh, again, that's just kind of where my politician hat came on. And, you know, the, the powers that be, you know, certain, you know, I would say that UNC soccer is, you know, 
a pretty powerful lobby in the U.S. soccer community that, you know, it's all of a sudden, you know, strings are being pulled and things are happening. I'm not saying it's them, but everything, there's just a lot of murkiness going on. And it's, uh, you know, when you muddied the waters, it's just, it never ends up the best for anyone, you know? We got Copa America coming up, right? I think that'll be a that'll be a test. I mean, that'll be a kind of a barometer for <laughs> did we make the right decision? And I kind of I kind of have a feeling I already know how it's going to go. Yeah, I've I've seen this movie. Do you want me to spoil it for you, or would you rather watch it yourself? <laughs> uh, let's let let let's hear it. Uh, it's going to go poorly, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Not great, Bob. <laughs> bold tra- bold strategy, Cotton. Um, We'll see now, if it pays off. I mean, he, he was a 71%, uh, you know, win. Uh, he had a 71% win rate at, you know, between 2019 and 2022. But, I mean, BJ Callahan's sitting on 90 right now. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to call him BJ Collin because I want another one of him. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, between him and – I mean, if, if the BJ Callahan guy was, you know – really going to be deemed as purely an interim coach and there was no plan to make him head coach uh, i'm just perplexed that like if you're gonna in, instead of bring back burhalter like why wouldn't you bring jesse marsh in? like i think again i, I i've harped on that point a lot but it's yeah it, it's just confusing as hell to me and i i don't understand but we're going in circles at this point. what we had clint dempsey on um you know a couple of uh, like the paramount plus whip arounds after a couple of premier league games as well as on fox sports several times kind of give a head nod towards the validity of uh thierry Henry and uh patrick Vieira being in the running uh for these head coaching positions and while while they don't have the head coaching experience the management experience that greg burhalter does um, I, I just can't believe they never squashed that and then still hired fucking Greg Berhalter. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of foreign managers in developing soccer nations, and I still consider the United States a developing soccer nation. So I, I was very in favor of having you know, a French coach. I heard Zidane's name thrown out there, perhaps unrealistically, but you know, Jurgen Klinsmann was the coach for several years and I, I thought you know it kind of faded towards the end and ended embarrassingly again that loss to Trinidad but for a few years U.S. soccer was they, they they had respect because they had a guy like Klinsman at the top and I just I think that garners you a lot more a, a lot more respect if you we had a guy like Patrick Vieira if we had a guy like Thierry Henry that that was willing to come on and take this challenge but I, I've just seen it with you know a lot of African coaches have European or South American uh to, uh, or a lot of African national sides have, you know, European or South American coaches. I, I feel like Amer- the United States should kind of be in that same boat, not try and think we're on that same level as England, France, Spain, uh, you know, Argentina, Brazil, teams like that. I mean, well, yeah. we have the young talent. I, I maybe when Klinsman was, uh, you know, managing, we didn't, but uh, as far as young talent, I mean, I look at the transfer window. There's a lot of those guys, you know, uh, Balogun, Wea, Pulisic, um, j- just three, McKinney, uh, Aronson, Cade. Uh, those guys are bouncing around in big five leagues, premier leagues, um, as actual options for, for play. So I, 
I don't think we get the most out of that by bringing in a guy who failed to get anything out of them the first time. Um, you know, granted, did okay at the World Cup, um, formed the turtle to not get, you know, abused by England, and that was about the extent of it. Um, I don't know. I just don't – like Rob said, we're, we're, we're going in circles, but it's, it's only appropriate because – the United States men's national team is literally going in circles back <laughs> to their old coach. So I feel justified. <laughs> well, uh, may, maybe we can move on to greener passers. I'll keep it short and sweet with the three lines. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. That'd be a great way to, to, to end the show on a, a nicer note than Alex and I just talking shit. <laughs> Rob, please give me some great information about my newfound national team. That's right. Uh, for our newest member of the three lines, uh, we're, we're still letting people join the bandwagon. If anyone else out there listening wants to, um, this is a great podcast to listen to for that. Uh, but no, we, we've had some very good showings. Uh, most recently, our 7-0 uh, massacre of the North Macedonians um, in Manchester, where uh, Bukayo Saka got his first hat-trick um at the international level so congrats to Starboy Saka there and um it, it watch the highlights um just the goals of that match it it was phenomenal specifically Saka's first two goals were absolutely ridiculous um he absolutely roofed them um from a decent distance out but it, it just goes to show you know how much potential he has at that international level uh, but also looking forward to club play next year as well uh, with Marcus Rashford and Harry Kane also getting on the score sheet there. But um, one thing I was uh, super happy about, so this game was played in Manchester where generally, you know, we had talked about this a few episodes back, but generally international matches are played at Wembley in London. That's just England's de facto stadium. But I think they try to do like a, you know, it's, it's not an exhibition match, obviously, because it was a Euro qualifier, but um, they try to make it fair and go to different parts of the country, um, specifically the north, right, which is the biggest complaint that uh, folks from up there, they have to drive all the way down to London to go see England play. So um, the, the closing goal of that match uh, was by Calvin Phillips. Um, so even though it was at Old Trafford, uh, I think it was great to see Calvin Phillips get on the pitch, score in Manchester. Um, but also, I mean, this kind of relates to club play, but um, you could see Calvin Phillips is really fired up. And, um, you know, he's he's always um, kept himself positive with Man City. You know, it's, you know, it's a very tough club to be a regular starter on, right? And we, we've harped on that multiple episodes in the season, but he's always kept his head held high and a smile going on. And he's just waiting for that chance. and. Um, you, you could tell he had all because a lot of these players were gassed um, full time players from the regular season. But when Calvin Phillips came on, he came on with a full head of steam. And, you know, uh, I, I was really happy for him um, and how that worked out. But uh, we also had a four nil victory over Malta, um, where I will say shout out to your guy, Trent Alexander Arnold. Uh, Luke, if you haven't seen that goal. Um, it was absolutely spectacular. Uh, you know, your exhibit A, Trent Alexander Arnold uh, curler into the top of the net. Uh, and uh, England has started experimenting with 
Trent Alexander Arnold in the midfield as opposed to a defender, um, which I know Liverpool, I think, started to do towards the very end of the season. But I mean, in, in both instances, it's clearly working where, you know, we had talked about before where, you know, he was just put in that right back role to essentially be an extra attacker on the attack. But, you know, the whole point of your defense is to stop the other team from fucking scoring. So when you can't do that on defense, you become a liability. So um, I think this bodes well um, for Trent Alexander-Arnold's future um, in a three-lines jersey and, you know, really making it into that midfield and that, you know, this generational squad. But, um, you know, I I think we're going to see a renaissance for him at Liverpool if Klopp um, decides to go that route as well and uh, puts, you know, a more defensive defender behind him as a, you know, a fail safe and just lets Trent Alexander-Arnold be himself. Yeah, that's a, that's a reason why I want to see us sign a Gonzalo Inacio, somebody like that, so we give a little bit more uh, flexibility to TAA. But all, all I was thinking when I saw the highlight of that goal was, where the fuck was that during the Premier League season? <laughs> that's, all I, that's all I was thinking. I mean, congrats on the win over Malta, though. That's well, I, like, yeah, I, I like I, I like my Malta milkshakes. Uh, so I, I was I was gonna say uh, I was gonna say Luke, you don't play Malta every day in the Premiership, so uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> that's probably why you haven't seen it. Ben and Jerry's get me a vanilla Malta. To yeah, drink there you go. The show. <laughs> there you go. Get, but uh, I'm getting a Steel Reserve forty. That's my Malta <laughs> beverage of choice. Oh my God. Um, Any, anything, but, to, anything to forget that Greg Berhalter is still the U.S. coach, right? I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if anything possesses the brain cell killing power that can eliminate the one brain cell that will hang on remembering we rehired Greg Berhalter. But that, that being said, um, I, I, I think the three Lions should very much consider just moving Trent to, you know, defensive holding or honestly i'd put him in like an ox chamberlain type of role put him in more of an attacking he's a great distributor great shooter absolutely atrocious defender he's just fast he's not a good defender um especially when you have options like kyle walker kieran trippier and um you know eventually like aaron wambasaka who's always in you know contention to make the team I, i i don't think you need to force trent at right back uh so i i think they could get a little bit more flexible honestly uh, especially considering you're going to have a guy like Jordan Henderson um, move on from the team eventually. Uh, I don't know how long Connor Gallagher is going to be around. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I see, I see players. I, I don't really see a midfielder and I'm including Calvin Phillips, but you know, my own city guy, Declan Rice, I don't see a better playmaker in the midfielder than Trent would be in my opinion for the three lines. Oh, absolutely. In in terms of an you like purely explosive, you know, maybe Foden a counterattack. Yeah, if if they put him in the midfield, right, as opposed to like a wing forward for sure. But I mean, yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree because, um, in terms of just England's play style, uh, we're a very dangerous team on the counter because you know we have Saka and Foden and Grealish, um, any combination of them on the wings with Captain Kane always lurking around the box, uh, hanging back deeper or, or just fooling up uh, forward up the field. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, because, uh, I mean, with the, the midfield is going to be anchored for the next five years with Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham, which is a fantastic tandem to have there as 
Um, Jordan Henderson moves on, and uh, I couldn't agree more. Just having Trent Alexander down one of the wings um, as an attacking midfielder, um, I think would be fantastic. John John Stone's also played 19 games for City as a listed right back. So um, I, I don't I don't know if there's a team in the world that has a more stacked single position than England does at right back. It is absolutely overflowing with world class talent. Um, yeah, the, the, the whole defense, like even with Harry Maguire on there, I don't feel bad about it. I mean, dude, just think about like just think about how ridiculous this sounds. Just like, oh yeah, Trent Alexander Arnold can't play defense. Let's put him in midfield. Cool. We'll put Reese fucking James behind him. Do you know how like that's how crazy stacked it is if they decide not to play Kyle Walker or John Stones? Like or Kieran Trippier. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. Like it doesn't yeah. make sense. <laughs> I mean, and, and Luke, Luke Shaw can play right back too. You don't there's not really a guy who can play left back on this squad instead of him, but I don't know if something weird happened. Luke Shaw could play right back too. And I, I, ju I just sure. want to touch on your Calvin Phillips thing. Um, th thank you for pointing that out because uh, he, he's a guy in the off season that was talked about, or I say in the off season, the last couple of weeks that was talked about being included in a transfer package for Declan Rice. And what, when he's been asked about it, he said, I hope city don't move me because I want to earn my position here. And that it's just not a common mentality with younger players. And it, it's just, it is such a breath of fresh air to have someone like that. And I know I I'm hoping to reap the benefits of that as a city fan. Um, but I, I think England are going to reap the benefits of that for years to come as he learns from Declan Rice and, uh, you know, starts to, tr you know, train up. He, he's going to be the guy I think who has a lot of influence on Jude Bellingham uh, just on his attitude. I, I think Jude Bellingham could use, as good of a player as he is, uh, he's had a lot of success go straight to his head as a young player. Um, and I, I think Calvin Phillips is the type of guy, and, and Declan Rice, uh, to kind of help ease him maturely into his footballing career in Spain and for the national team, respectively. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and Calvin Phillips is one of those uh, players where you know, he may not be the most, you know, where you have Jude Bellingham, Declan Rice, who are, you know, generationally, you know, they're your, you know, build-a-bear workshop midfielders, right, where they have all these qualities put together, perfect midfielder, where, you know, uh, Calvin Phillips may not be as flashy as them um, doing all those things, but he's a workhorse. But um, when you get into certain games where it gets chippy and you need an – uh, I won't quite say an enforcer, but you need someone that, um, you know, he plays hard, he plays fair, he's not a dirty player, but he sets the tone for that team. And if you're in a chaotic environment, ex the exact same thing that you were saying, Alex, is he's one of those players that no matter what is happening around him, he doesn't let it affect him. And, you know, th that just goes back to the way, you know, he's comes from a blue collar, working class background where, you know, you're saying like he's never complained. He wants to earn his spot at City. Like that's just that mentality from where he's from that's ingrained in there. And you need that, you know, in England where our biggest critique always has been, you know, we do have a fair amount of prima donnas on there, just like any other major, you know, football nation, which is a completely fair point. So it's always great to have just down to earth, salt of the earth people that, 
you know, are good players and are going to instill that discipline and work ethic and, you know, just stay humble. And, and like, that's what gets you to championships. You can't be one way or the other. You need that mix. So, um, yeah, I, I want to see Calvin Phillips continue to put on uh, the white shirt for the three lines as well for years to come. The best smile in the Premier League for my money. <laughs> unless it's unless it's a smile with Jack Grealish pouring beer down his throat. That's it. That that's a that's a cursive smile though. I'm talking <laughs> just, just straight twelve point times New Roman smile. That's Calvin Phillips. The turkey needs fed. Fucking hell, that's my Gucci bag. That's 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 my that's that's gonna be my new Thanksgiving uh, toast whenever someone asks me to do it this year. Send, send us a video. It's going on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine when Portsmouth finally wins the Premier League and they have a parade. How, just I can't, how hard, how hard I can't that's for that. gonna go? It's it will it, it will be amazing. Jesse <laughs> wait and Jesse wait, Southampton. I didn't forget about you. Fuck the scummers. We're gonna see you in the championship in the next couple years. I I'm I'm ready for the Luton Town top four Champions League finish this year. I can't wait for the chaos. This is gonna be great. <laughs> before we know, it. this season's gonna be back before we know it, man. We're it's so we're close. Jump, we're gonna jump into American football, and then we're before we know it, we're gonna have we're gonna have Premier League again. It's gonna be great, dude. I yeah. I, w- I wish American football had this quick of a turnaround. Like I'm tired of waiting from February to August Bruh, to do it. You don't even know. <laughs> Especially when when your paycheck is tied to to whether football's in season or not, yeah, yeah, I'm like, kind of tired of waiting too. <laughs> just get, give me some exhibitions. I, I let let, it, let us play the women's national team. I don't know. Let's do something. <laughs> uh, there was I think there was a three nothing win in the uh, for whoever won the Japanese college football uh, championship, whatever, whatever whatever it was there there or no, it was in Austria. This was the Austrian college football championship and. One team missed a field goal and the other team made a field goal at the end and it was three to nothing, the final. So they're really embracing the low scoring over there, even in American football. So it's like an Alabama LSU national championship game. <laughs> too soon? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Way too late, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for joining, joining me even after one of my uh, baseball assignments and our first interstate right hosh podcast recording is uh just just about at, at out of gas here but any any uh any final thoughts before we uh we decide to to hit those steel reserve 40s which don't yes, even exist it, anymore <laughs> it did it did just occur to me alex you made a good point with uh newcastle potentially having the best signing of the transfer window so far um the only thing i would counter that on would be tottenham signed james madison from leicester city which is a fantastic signing for them uh, where it's looking like, uh, you know, they're ultimately not going to get rid of Kane. Um, you know, there were talks and rumors about him going to Man U and uh, maybe Bayern Munich, stuff like that. But um, by them bringing in James Madison, um, that's really going to complement um, not just Kane, but, uh, you know, a son uh, on the wing. Uh, and shit, it might even get Richarlison a goal or two. You never know. Not to mention the, the way South Korea uh, calculates their ages just uh, got changed. So uh, Sun is officially one year younger than he was last week. So um, good, good news there. Uh, Spurs, Spurs have done a lot. Uh, they, they completed the uh, buy option on their loan from Kulishevsky. Um, like you mentioned, James Madison. But they, they also um, completed their 
uh, option to buy Pedro Porro, uh, the, the, the right back from sporting. And uh, yeah, if, if I wasn't just so automatically sure that Tottenham were going to fuck up whatever squad they throw up there, I would be excited because I agree. James Madison is, especially for the fee he went for absolutely phenomenal for them. They, they've been missing somebody to get the ball to Sun and Kane. I've, I've been racking my brain at like, who the, who the hell has been passing Kane 30 assists a year? So he's bags it, but it's just, it's just Sun and Kane playing with each other or creating their own shit. There's nobody else there that has done anything for them really for the last couple of seasons. And now you get a bona fide, you know, especially, you know, national team star that's played with Kane, uh, James Madison. I, phenomenal signing. I, I agree. I just hope they fuck it up still. I mean, and I know they will because, you know, Nolan Evans, one of my best friends, a diehard Tottenham fan. And he, he recently actually compared to Tottenham to the, the New York Mets of the EPL. And this season, it certainly was uh, just watching them fall out of the top four like that. Uh, that, that was a, uh, that was enjoyable to watch. So I, yeah, that, that is, I'm glad we did get that in there. Cause that, that is one that happened. That's one we talked about on our last show too. We were kind of wondering where he would end up and it's a bummer to me that it's Tottenham, but, but like you said, Alex, they're, they're, a good bet to, to fuck things up. Yeah. That them and Chelsea, I, I have no, I, I have no questions about it. until I see them do well. I, I still don't know how Chelsea won the fucking champions league two years ago. Still makes me sick. I still don't know how it happened. Um, but Tottenham might as well have won. Kai that, that's how inexplicable it was. <laughs> Kai Havertz is how it happened. The, the, the first time I've seen Kai Havertz hit an open net in his entire life, of course, cost me a champions league. Of course. <laughs> the, go- the ghost of Kai Havertz will haunt you once again. Mark my words. It's not going to be the ghost. It's going to be in the flesh, Kai Havertz. That he's going to bag a hat trick in the first half of our next of our charity match meeting in Wembley in August. I will laugh my ass off if that happens, and I will, I will stand corrected. I, I, I will be redneck Burhalter mad if Kai Havertz bags a hat trick against us at any point. When, when we say we can't wait for football season, we're in these studios talking about it. Sounds like we can't wait for football either. And it's just, it's, it's going to be here in the blink of an eye. <laughs> so thanks a lot guys for uh, joining me to uh, catch, uh, catch our, our latest episodes of the right hash. If you have not uh, catch up on some summer stuff and we'll be getting our college football season prep very, very soon. Alex already has his Phil Steele magazine. I, I need to get my hands on mine uh, before it gets too late. So thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, we'll have another show for you coming up in uh, probably about two or three weeks when uh, some more some more shit goes down. Hopefully Liverpool makes a couple more splashes in the transfer window and they will be ready to shit on the entire Premier League next season. For Rob Jordan and Alex Thompson, my name is Luke Ned Carney. Thanks everyone for joining us from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. This has been The Right Hosh.